your host, Jack. Let's uh let's crack a beer and get the ball rolling. So we got a first time guest on uh tonight. He's a very dear friend of mine. In fact, he's so dear of a friend. He's actually my brother. Dan, welcome on. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. So gosh, I got to say, I kind of picked this one out for you because of the loon. But <laughs> I got to say, I I was also I also liked it because of the honey crisp. And I was anticipating some like honey undertones and absolutely none. I'm going to guess the honey crisp um, probably refers to the honey crisp apple. Maybe they use that in the uh, development of this cider. But yeah, I'm not a huge cider fan myself. Usually they're pretty sweet, but this one's actually not too bad if, I, if I'm being honest. Really? Nice. Yeah, no, I've, I've always, I mean, I like, I think I've told you before, um, we love doing like a variety on here. I think I actually did a Minnesota distilled whiskey um, oh. back, you know, a uh, couple things of wine, you know, some beers and a couple of this. And I got to say personally, like I'm kind of the same way you and me are, you know, our sister enjoys these ciders more than the both of us do. Um, mm-hmm. It is refreshing. But if I'm being honest, like if I'm getting uh cider, I'm, I'm kind of looking for something like a little bit of a flavor. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you th- yeah, say? again, ciders aren't really for me. They're a little sweeter. Um, yes. I think they <clears throat> they just don't um, – it's not really what I go for if I'm looking for some kind of beverage to watch in a sporting event or something. So not something I, I reach for personally. But, again, as far as ciders go, this uh, this one doesn't seem bad. And I've got a buddy of mine no. who is a cider fan, and I know he drinks these religiously. So they're probably, they're probably pretty good. No kidding. These – like the actual loon juices that we're doing? Yes, sir. They uh, they wow. sell these at uh, Loon's Games. He's one of the buddies of mine that I go to Minnesota United Games with, and so wow, um, nice. he's a big fan. So sweet. So yeah, for those that don't know, uh, you didn't say this. This is actually distilled or brewed at Four Daughters Vineyard and Winery. It's actually in Spring Valley, Minnesota. I knew it was south, but dude, it's off of what is this highway, like 63 or something like that. It's like 15, 20 minutes from the Minnesota, Iowa border. So way down there, Yep, way down there, but it looks like a pretty sweet place. One of the things it says on their website, uh, they've been served at the 2015 universal music group country music awards after party. Um, and they were the official provider of the 2016 Sundance film festival. So, wow. I I learned something every day. You do, you do. But yeah, so I don't, I don't mind it. Um, like I said, I, you know, like I told you beforehand, I kind of like to rate these in. I think similar to like what you said, I typically don't gravitate to ciders a whole lot. Um, this is, I mean, it, it seems a little tart to me. Um, I'm not going to go as far as this as to, um, relate myself to a Dave Portnoy, but, but those that have listened to my <laughs> podcast, know I'm very stingy with my, um, ratings. Um, I, I don't mind it. I would definitely drink it again, but similar to like what I've said before and what you said, I'm not going to go out of my way to get it. Um, I'll go four, three. Yeah, that's fair. Get a 4.1. 4.1. Yeah. And I just, 
I don't, I don't mind the initial taste, but after like the aftertaste, it's a little tart for me. And that's not usually like a taste I like, regardless of if it's in ciders or just in like other like juice drinks or anything like that too. That's fair. But yeah, um, we will uh, wrap up just here for the beer. You guys can go check them out. It's fordaughtersvineyard.com. You can find them on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and they actually have a Pinterest as well. So uh, if you listen to the podcast and you're from down southern Minnesota, uh, let us know if there's something else that we should be drinking or um, yeah. But uh, hence the name of this uh, good little segue into our next topic, uh, the loons. Um, like Dan mentioned, he is a season ticket holder of the Minnesota loons. <laughs> Go loons. Um, before we get into playoffs, give me a quick summary. How do you think the loons did this year? Uh, like as a season? Uh, I think overall it was a good year. I think um Unfortunately, as you go back, like I'm sure any sporting or uh, fan base would, um, we missed, we left a lot of points on the table. Um, we had a bunch of ties and even a couple losses um, that could have easily been wins. And that's just, um, it's frustrating to look back and see what happened because home field advantage is so important in the MLS, especially in the playoffs. So um, going away to a team like Portland is, is something you never want to do regardless of how successful your season was. So um, understanding that, you know, a win here or another tie here puts us at home field advantage. Um, it's always frustrating and we left quite a few points on the table. So, um, but overall we battled some injuries and obviously it was a yeah. semi COVID season as well. So there's just some, that's true. Um, that impacts some of the games as well. So um, overall it was a, a good season. I think, I mean, we're, um, we've made the playoffs a couple years in a row now. I think we're we're establishing ourselves as one of the better teams in the MLS. So um, I think we're only really going to imp- improve from here. No, that's awesome. Well, and like you said too, I mean that four-five seed. I mean, regardless of you know what sport it is, that's just a tough um, a tough matchup, and it can really go either way. And I think I was talking to Cassie, my my wife, uh, a couple days ago. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan the loons have only been an official MLS team for a handful of years, like five or six years now. Right. Yeah. I'd have to go back and see, I want to say 2017 was the first 2016 or 17 was one of their first years in the MLS. Um, So it is, it's been, but they were a team before that. So it was a, it wasn't an expansion team. It was more of a um, promoted team. They were in the, what was seen as the lower level um, and they were just brought up. So um but yeah, they are definitely one of the newer teams in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it was kind of from my understanding, it was more of like a farm team that had like affiliations to other more, I don't know if you'd say maybe more prominent teams in the US or something like that. No, it wasn't really a farm team. It was we have two leagues here in the in the United States. So it was just uh it was a separate professional league, but definitely considered the the lower level team um in terms of our two major soccer um, leagues here. So, um, it was an unofficial promotion. They just were expanding two teams and and we got essentially just moved to the MLS, um, versus we joined with Atlanta and they were an expansion team, I believe. So I think they got to start with, um, pretty much a fresh squad versus we had to, uh, we brought up a lot of our players. Nice. Well, and even, even talking off offline with you before too, I mean, you always talk about how much, um, 
you know, soccer you like watching, uh, you know, in England and uh, the Europe teams. And it seems like the soccer prominence is really kind of coming up in there. I kind of forgot that we got brought on similar to like the wild, um, the hockey team, uh, to that Atlanta came in, but there were just two new teams. Um, I think in Nashville and Atlanta coming into this season, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of new expansion teams. I can't even really keep up. I'd have to look. Um, but I think there was one or two this year. There was one last year. There's more coming up on the way. Um, nice. it's, uh, it's growing incredibly fast. Oh, yeah. And I think that is a, uh, you know, that is a testament to just the overall appeal to soccer in the States. It's, it's growing. And um, yeah. the MLS is just sort of reflecting that. Nice. No, I love that. So um, I know as an avid uh, Loons fan, you probably don't want to relive um, <laughs> the uh, uh, two Sundays ago, but take me through a little bit. And, you know, I know I've talked to you offline about this. I've been excited to get you on here to talk some soccer because you know more about, you know, the Loons and than I do. Um, take me through a little bit of this game because it seemed like I was following it a little bit early on and we scored early and it looked like despite being the fifth seed, this game was kind of ours to lose early on. Uh, yes and no. I think again, the MLS is an interesting league. I think scoring first on the road in playoffs is definitely huge, but I've actually been to the Portland stadium before. It's an incredible atmosphere. Um, so I have to imagine their fans really just rallied around that goal. Um, on top of that, so we did. We rode Tyler Miller all year as our primary keeper. He was out on COVID okay. protocol, so we were. Um, we started our backup, Dane St. Clair. Um, okay. The keeper just plays a tremendously important role in overall defensive strategy and sort of leading the defensive core and in and around the the box. And so I think you know, getting the late heads up that your backup is your starter. Um, it just really throws a wrench in the entire plan. And so I think that really showed, um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if you look at moments before Portland's first goal to equalize, I think they had maybe three corners and two free kicks from very dangerous errors or areas, excuse me. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you just can't give those kind of opportunities up in the playoffs and in the MLS and expect to, to be successful. Um, if you look around the league at some of the other playoff late goals and tying goals, once the ball's in the box, it's anyone's game. So um, we yeah. just gave them way too many opportunities to capitalize. Um, and we just look really, um, really disorganized back there. Well, so, and, and that's that, I mean, that'll, you know, regard, regardless of what, uh, you know, sport, when you kind of played disorganized like that, you kind of, you know, put yourself behind the eight ball. And I always forget with soccer, they count both general shots towards the net and then shots on goal. I have it up here. They actually outshot us 18 to 10, mm-hmm. but we actually outshot shot them with shots on goal six to four, which blows my mind. Yeah. So I, I personally would say those stats can be misleading. Even just remembering back okay. to watching the game, we had a couple of chances late in the game that I think we shot right at their keeper. You know, so that would go okay. up as a shot on goal. Um, we gave up way too many opportunities. Just think if, if a ball misses the the goal post by two inches, that's going to be a missed shot on goal. Um, uh-huh. But they just, they had way too many quality chances. Um, and again, a lot of that came from not only them being a good team, but we just were making defensive mistakes and that just adds up. And then we just fell apart towards the end of the game. We had a couple late pushes that gave us some confidence, but again, you take a, 
you start to let your emotions get in the way, take some bad penalties, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of fold up shop. So um, we really only looked good for maybe 15, 20 minutes of that game, and then it kind of fell apart and they took over. Yeah, so, so with that, would you say as painful or not as it may be, would you say Portland was a better team this game? Like, despite the final score, if you take that away, just watching the game, would you have said they were the better team? For sure. To, to okay. go down 1-0 at home and stay that composed and come back and be patient, wait for your opportunities. I mean, they just, yeah, it was, uh, they were clearly the better team that day. That, I mean, it, gosh, it, it stinks to see them go so early in the playoffs, knowing how far they made it last year and how close they were to winning that um, Western Conference uh, final game. Remind me, do you remember, was it Portland or was it Seattle that won the whole thing last year? It was one of the two, I thought. Yeah, it had to. It had to have been Seattle. No, last year was. Um, or no, was it, it was Columbus? Columbus? Yeah, it was Columbus, yeah. but it was against Seattle. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, and that was another game last year. Western Conference Final was. Um, we were up two nil, and so it, that just showed that's to give up three unanswered. Um, that's just lack of organization on defense and. Um, not being prepared for obviously it's it's the playoffs it's not like they're just going to fold up shop and give up so yeah um giving up that many opportunities to a team like seattle uh, you're just not going to win many games so um disappointing to see that too yeah well and so we'll we'll wrap up here because we have some other stuff we want to talk about but would you see would you say from you know going to as many games as you have is this team kind of more centered around um defensively like being a defensive team and turning that into offense or are we trying to be an offensive team we're just like maybe dropping the ball a little bit again I I don't even know it's it's tough because we've dealt with so many injuries and and so many moving pieces I would say ideally when Tyler Miller's in goal you can look at some of the games we're in and it's it's generally lower scoring Um, I think we play a, a pretty good counter attacking game which is we're usually fairly sound defensively um, and can capitalize on turnovers and whatnot. But again, um, once our defense falls apart, I think that's when you can see a different team entirely. So I would say that probably points to us being more of a defensive team because okay. we're really only on our game when our defense is on. That's interesting. That is interesting. But yeah, I uh, I like it. Yeah, and it looked like, I'm looking at the stats here, it looked like the uh, fouls were uh, heavily in our favor instead of the timber timbers uh favor that game too so that certainly can't help nope that's um, never gonna help a lot of that is late game intensity too but again yeah you're not gonna win many games if you're filling up the foul sheet no for sure so all right we got uh we got so lastly before we move on here from here we have four teams remaining dan uh both uh, number one seeds I'm assuming you already know, uh, got upset last uh, in the semifinal. So we got Portland, we got Real Salt Lake. Uh, they're playing um, on Saturday uh, for the Western Conference final. And then Eastern Conference is, looks like Philadelphia and New York City on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're a betting man, and I love it. It's awesome. If you were to put money down on one of these four teams to win uh, the whole thing right now, who would you pick and why? I mean, I've really only been able to see Portland a lot. I'm probably going to have to go with Portland. Um, okay. More so just come the game I saw against the Loons as well as the fact that they took down Colorado. They were a solid team all year. Oh, wow. Um, and to take them take them down 
and at Colorado, excuse me. Um, that's a pretty impressive feat. So um, I'm going to go with them. I know New York obviously beat New England, who was solid all year, but they won on a couple late. They won on a very late goal um, and penalties. So um, not to take that away from them, but that's a different game altogether. Yeah, uh, I might have to go with Portland. All right, I like it. You heard it here first on the mini weekend uh, for you betters. Go book it. Portland's going to win the whole thing. Dan said so. So, um, no, I mean it. It sucks. We'd love to see the see the loons in it, but uh, onward and upward. And like we've talked about before, we're Minnesota sports fans. We're not used to having a whole lot of nice things. Yep. So always next year. <laughs> Exactly. Just don't tell that to our data. <laughs> so um, moving on, we got the Minnesota Wild, Dan. Um, as someone who has played hockey almost your entire life or most of your life, what what a hell of a start to this season for the Wild. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, I feel like we say it a lot of years Um but this just looks like a different team altogether. I think we're they're playing with just an intensity and a sort of just a will to win that we've never really seen in a Minnesota Wild team before. Yeah. Um, I think that starts with um, head coaching. There's clearly something going on in there that's working, um, as well as we just have a lot of key role players that show up every night and set the tone. And I think, um, again, we've just never really had that kind of consistency before. So it's a lot of fun. No, I would agree. I mean, one of the things I've I've talked about on this podcast before and just in a general sense, and I think you can attest to this too. I mean, you know, it's just the resiliency. I mean, you look at, you know, and what a great time for you and me to talk, be talking about this on the podcast. It's kind of, you know, a quarter of the way through the season, the Wild themselves have played uh, 22 games or 23 games, I believe. Um, and I mean, I've got to say, probably 15 or 16 of these games we've been down one or two goals and we found a way to win. And I think last year, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like last year was the start of just a new Minnesota wild team with Kirill, with uh, the general manager, Bill Guerin. Um, and you, you can attest to this. I think, I think back to as early as the 2019, 2020 season, we just we played sluggish. If if we ever got down right away or not, if we ever got down by a goal or two goals, we just wrote it off as they're they're the better team, you know. And let's just play half half butt and you know just escape there. And these last two years, this year and last year, I think we have one of the most comfort behind victories in the NHL. Yeah, I didn't really know that, but I guess it, that makes sense. Um, I was at one of the first games. I think it might have been the first home game, but it was a win against Winnipeg. Um, in which oh, we, yeah. came back, we kept coming from behind. And mm-hmm. as weird as it sounds, we didn't have a lead all night until the overtime goal. But um, we never, it never really seemed like we were down. Um, and like you said, not to say that teams don't have off nights, and we're certainly going to have those. But um, we just, we never have that mentality where it seems like we've given up. And I think a lot of that, again, has to do with role players. Um, skilled players can obviously get frustrated if their game's off or they're not scoring. But um, it's guys like Marcus Felino, Ryan Hartman, who oddly enough, are scoring a lot of points for us. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Jordan Greenway, guys like that, that seem to just show up every night and are giving it their all. So um, those are the guys you need to have on a team to be successful. 
and mm -hmm. we we're lucky enough it seems like everyone's buying in we've got it seems like a different guy showing up every night to be the guy and so yeah. um that's just it's been fun to watch and you, you never know who's going to show up on any given night no that's a great point and i mean you know you kind of talked about you know the depth a little bit you know of all the role players and correct me if i'm wrong but i just think you know when you look at a team that you know, if we're being honest, we're building this team around Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala. Um, and I think, like you well, mentioned... Well, it's, it's tough to say Fiala, though. I mean, yeah, we brought him in, I think, didn't we sign him for two years, and then we just gave him a one-year deal. So I I think we're not totally sold on Fiala. Kirill's definitely our centerpiece, but yeah, um, I'm not sure we're all sold on, or at least Garen is not sold on Fiala just yet. Yeah, which, I mean, kind of... I kind of took that and, and that's a great point that is, you know, fair, but I think, you know, we've talked about this before too. And I think Bill Guerin kind of gave Kevin Fiala this kind of, Hey, you know, a show me you're like, Hey, like we, you know, maybe want you around, but I don't want to, you know, lock you down if you're not going to, you know, produce now has he maybe had a little slower start to the season, but I just think, um, you know, you take away when you have your, Freaking Victor Rasks, when you have Nico Sturm, uh, Frederick Rudrow, uh, Alex Galagoski, you know, when you have Jordan Greenway, Joel Erickson, when you have these guys stepping up, it takes the pressure off your stars because if those guys aren't playing as well as they are, if, if Brandon Duhame doesn't have eight points, if Nick Bukestad doesn't have three goals, it puts on the season, it puts more pressure on Kirill Kaprizov to, hey, I really have to be the guy every single night. Not that he's not going out playing 100%, but I think it takes the pressure off him that, hey, every single night I need to be the guy. For sure. And, I mean, I, th I think if you look at the stat sheet, it looks like pretty much everybody has contributed points-wise. Yeah. I think whether they've played a couple games or not, it looks like everyone is at least a couple points. Um, and that just – I think that also speaks to, you know – what's going on in the locker room. Maybe it's like, everyone's bought in that yeah. makes, that's got to make it a lot more fun for everybody there. It's like, even if you know, you're a third or fourth line role player, if you're still getting some points that keeps you motivated, hungry and, and makes you want to keep scoring more. So um, it just seems like whatever's going on, everyone's bought in. Everyone seems to be having a good time. Um, and yeah, just hopefully they can keep this up. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even, you know, again, you know, you bring up the third and fourth line guys. I mean, I think, the Wild and Dean Evanson are one of very few teams in the National Hockey League, if not maybe the only team that rolls line one, two, three, four, line one, two, three, four. And those guys on the third and fourth line that maybe wouldn't get those minutes on any other team, they're, hey, you know, I got to go out and I got to play my ass off or else I'm not going to get the minutes that. Yeah, I, I, I'd say I there's there's that. probably more teams than you'd know did and you would think um, rolling at least three, but mostly four. Um, I just oh, think really? that the benefit of it is is it, there's probably not a lot of teams out there that have the confidence in doing that. Yeah, or it's like again, we if whoever's on the ice for us, we're we're pretty confident they're going to go out there and do their job. So um, it, it that's got to make coaching easier. That makes playing easier for everyone. Where you you know you don't have to play as much checkers on the bench and. And although I'm, I, you know, they're doing it, um, but it's just like um, everyone can do their part and everyone's stepping up. So um, that's got to make coaching a whole lot easier, line changes or line combinations easier when um, everyone can step into these roles and, and really fill in with, as needed. 
For sure. For sure. Um, I have a question that is going to make you think, and I'm very interested to hear what you say. Before I ask you that, though, Ryan Hartman, 22 games, 18 points with 12 goals. Did you, like, when you looked at this team coming into the season after everybody was signed out, did you think Ryan Hartman would even be top three on the team in goals scored? I mean, not really. I guess projecting that stuff's not easy to do. But uh, again, that's a perfect example of a guy that you you sign and want on your team, not for the stats he puts up on the point sheet, but just the way he plays and, and what he brings to your team. And he's already inching in on one of his better seasons point-wise. I mean, I just pulled up his stats sheet. It looks like his career high is 31 points. After that, it's 25 and 20. I mean, already sitting at 18 points. You got to think he's going to blast through those years. And so oh, yeah. clearly he's playing some of his best hockey. Um, and that's got to be, you hope some of that stuff's being reinforced where, you know, this is even, this isn't even a guy we signed to score goals for us and, and he's putting it in the net and making stuff happen. So um, that just takes the load off everyone's back and that probably helps people play with a bit more confidence, play a bit free. Um, yeah, that's easily one of the bigger surprises. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree. So here, uh, here is uh, one of my first questions for you. So despite this um, hot start to the wild, I mean, you look at them standing wise for, you know, everybody else that doesn't know outside of us, we're first in the division. Um, we have a four point lead over the blues uh, we're second in the Western Conference, and we're I think sixth in the league. Despite this hot start, what is one kind of cause for concern that you have for this team this year? Um, I don't know. I think like anything, this early on in the year, it's just consistency. Can you keep up mm-hmm. this productivity? Um. I mean, what was it a couple of years ago when the Blues won the cup? They were the last team in the league in January right. or last team in the conference in January or something. They come back and win. So there's still a lot of hockey to be played. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like anything, it's goaltending. Uh, not that Talbot and Kacken <laughs> have done super bad, but it's like we're, we're lucky we've been scoring multiple goals a game. But uh-huh. if you've got goalies letting in three, two to three goals every single night, that means your offense has to produce three to four goals, maybe five every single night. Right. Uh, that's just not easy to do in the National Hockey League. So um, it'd be nice if one of them could get hot and start saving the puck a little better. Um, I will say I was actually at the game last night against the Coyotes, and, and I thought our defense looked pretty trashy um really now again it's probably hard to get up for a game against the coyotes but (laughs) um just making dumb plays in the zone and it's so it's not entirely the goalie's fault but you look at some of the better teams in the league they're riding goalies that you know let up one maybe two goals a game that's a lot easier to deal with versus two to three um so it'd be nice to see one of the goalies get hot but yeah other than that it's just hopefully we can stay healthy and um hopefully we're not getting two big egos in there because again, it's a long season. A lot can happen. No, without a doubt. And well, and piggybacking on your point, we're currently coming into tonight. Um, obviously, you know, we're, uh, coming at you guys here, um, at about, uh, you know, seven o'clock at night. So there's some, uh, games being played right now, but coming into today, Dan, we're fourth in the league with goals four per game at six points, uh, sorry, 3.68. Only Mm -hmm. the avalanche, Oilers and Panthers have more goals per game than us. But then, Mm -hmm. like you said, on the flip side of things, 
um, our goaltending is averaging, mm-hmm. we're 19th in the league with 2.96. And it's worth noting the Calgary Flames, who are number one, have only 1.96 goals per game. Well, I, I even just pulled that stuff up too. It's like when you look at the, if you look at the goals against stats, um, not that it's, uh, there's a direct correlation. Look at the teams at the bottom of the league. They're giving up the most goals. Yeah. Look at the teams towards the top. They're giving up the least. So it's like, if we're sitting in that middle ground of goals against, that means we're going to have to score a lot of goals for. So um, again, it's great. We are getting those goals right now. Um, mm-hmm. where it looks like we're actually, we're first in the league for goals for which I would bet there hasn't been a wild team like that since we've been here. But um, no. the fact that we're first in the league for goals for and not really close to the top for goals against, um, that's just, you know, that could be a, a point for concern um, if that goal production dips at all and the the goalies can't step up. That could obviously potentially be a problem. Yeah, no, I um... – I hear you on that one. Uh, another thing I kind of wanted to get your opinion on and kind of dig in uh, with you um, is this Minnesota wild uh, power play. Uh, we are, I mean, despite, I mean, like I said, we're a great team right now. we got 31 points. Like I mentioned, we're atop the Western Conf- or we're atop the central division, second in the Western conference. Yet I believe we're 20 or 21 in power play percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, And we only have 10 power play goals scored. Um, I find it hard to believe we would be one of the best, if not the best team in the league playing how we are playing now, if we were more efficient on the power play, how do you change? Like being somebody who's played hockey, like at the high school level and even in college, how do you change something like that? I, it's tough. I think a lot of stuff with the power play. I mean, not that I've ever really experienced much power play, but it's um, even just watching them last night that they get some decent chances, but um, they do pass the puck a lot. Um, I think, especially with the way the NHL is now getting the puck towards the net is extremely important. Um, and so I didn't, I don't think we shoot enough on the power play. Um, that said, uh, I think the most difficult thing to do obviously is to <laughs> get the puck to the net. I think there's yeah. a lot of good penalty killers out there. And so even watch it against Arizona. I don't even know what their stats are. I can't imagine their penalty kills very good. Um, getting the puck to the net's difficult. And so I think paired with not shooting the puck enough, that just is not going to create much success. Um, so it, it's tough. I think you just have to shoot it more. I think, yeah, it's, no. it, it seems like to me, like any team, I assume it's the skilled players sometimes want to do a lot. To me, it seemed like Fiala and Kaprizov were holding onto the puck quite a bit um, and they both have very good shots. And so it, it'd just be nice to see us start to just rip shots more and just see what happens. Yeah, well, and you almost I mean, one of the other things I want to talk about, too, is Joel Erickson. Act like that guy is probably been one of my surprise players for this year he's he's really taken that next step and like you were talking about he's gotten 90 percent of his goals standing right in front of the goalie and just tapping in that tapping in that rebound Mm -hmm. um you know i mean like you said it's it sounds so simple but like our uncle that used to play professional hockey um says you got like you can't score if you don't get the puck to the net and i think this team with how many guys get involved 
there is a little pressure to, hey, you know, help the next guy out. And I can't help but think Dean Evans is at some point in this season has got to say, hey, if we're going to take that next step and really be good, we got to capitalize on the power play and take three or four guys aside and say, hey, you're my guys. Like, I don't need you passing five times on the power play. I need you to get yourself in a position to shoot or find a guy soon and just create shots and maybe even have more of like two guys in front of the net kind of a thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a it's got to be a delicate balance. Obviously, it's, I have no idea how it would work at that level, but it's got to be a delicate balance of not trying to overthink it, but make sure you're you're giving your opportunities to your your better players. You know, you look at a team like Washington; it's pretty clear their objective on the power play is to get Ovechkin a one timer. Yeah. So it's <laughs> they don't really hide that; they don't mess around with it, and it works. And so I think it's a combo of simplicity um, as well as making sure you have a some type of game plan intact. And I think our power play right now looks a little bit too freewheeling. Um, I think yeah. we've got some guys that have an idea of what they'd like to do, but whether or not you can execute, that's completely different. And so I, it's probably not an area of concern at this point in the season, but you know, you look come playoff time, if your power play can't score playoff games are one on the, in specialty teams. So it's something they definitely yeah. have to figure out. Um, and you got, I mean, obviously if their percentage is as low as you said it was, it's they're for sure onto that stuff and they're, they're working on it. So we'll see how it develops in the next um, couple of weeks here. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like you said, I got to pull it up here. So we're tied for 25th in the league with the Pittsburgh Penguins with a 14.3 playoff uh, or not playoff uh, power play percentage, which I mean, like you said, there's still so much hockey to be played that you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Meanwhile, Edmonton sitting atop of the league with 37.7% uh, on the power play. But then on the flip side, our our penalty kill isn't top of the league, but it is better. We're 17th at 81.3%. Um, but yeah, but see, even, think- it, even like you just said, a, a team like Pittsburgh who's got a lot of skill, they're struggling with their power play. So it, it's it's not an easy thing to figure out. Um, I, but the other thing with it too, is we're atop the league right now in points and wins and all that stuff. So it's like, mm-hmm. th- there really isn't a whole lot to be concerned with. Obviously you want to keep getting better and you can't get complacent, but right. we are finding ways to win games. Um, obviously our power play is probably the area we need to improve the most, but like you just said, if our penalty kill is kind of mid table, uh, that's, you got to pair those two together. If your power play is not scoring, you got to hope your penalty kill stop and puck. So, yeah. um, the fact that they're both kind of sitting in the middle there, um, that would be something to probably be concerned with. But again, th- these guys crunch numbers. They know all this shit. So stuff, excuse me. Um, no, we're okay with swearing. So they, <laughs> <laughs> so they're aware of all this stuff again, but we're, we are finding ways to win games. And at the end of the day, that's really all that does matter. So um, hopefully they're not trying to rock the ship too much, but obviously yeah. there's a lot of room, a lot of room for improvement. Well, and like you said too, I always forget. I, I um I think about analytics a lot more with football just because when you watch football, the announcers are more apparent with it. They talk a lot more about it, but mm-hmm. you are right. I mean, in today's day and age of it's 2021, I mean, you know, we're within a month of, away from being 2022. Um, everything is analytics, you know, like, you know, Darby Hendrickson probably knows more about analytics and our numbers and everything like that more than he ever has before, because that's just how sports are going. Um, yeah, but I, for sure. And it obviously is important. I'm not downplaying that at all, but I would say the, the biggest, the biggest key for a head coach has got to be finding a balance, you know, 
yeah. you, you can't sit there and crunch numbers and look at that and execute based on that. Cause you know, like you said, Ryan Hartman's second on our team in points. That's probably not something your numbers and data would have told you before the season. So right. you do have to sort of take things as they come with you and understand again, it's like um, Kevin Fiala is sitting at 15 points, but he's playing extremely good hockey right now. So is, you got to hope fast. Some, he's extremely fast. You got to hope some of that stuff's being reinforced. I mean, you look at his career, it's not like he was ever this high point scorer or high point getter. So it's like him with 15 points in 20 games or whatever, that's not bad for him. No. And you just hope some of that stuff's being reinforced because again, it's about winning hockey games. If he's a part of those wins, he plays a key role in most of these situations. So um, as long as we're getting things done and as long as he's not costing too many mistakes, which he's not, you know, it's just like that, that's all you can ask for out of a player. Um, and the other stuff just comes with it again, 15 points in 20 games for him is, is not that bad. So. Well, and he's still, I mean, people forget. I, I think, sorry. I think sometimes people forget he's still very young. I mean, he's, he, he's our sister's Molly's age. He's 25 years old. Like this is a young kid. Right. It's a young guy. He's finding his game still. You look at even Kirill Kaprizov, everyone's, I don't even know if people are really freaking out, but he, his maybe goals numbers aren't as high as people would like them to be, but he's got like 25 points, something like that. That's close to the top of the league. He's getting assists. He's making stuff happen. It's like a point's a point. Um, oh, he's, sure. he's making it happen out there. So um, you just hope some of that, all that stuff's being reinforced. And it, it seems like it is because it doesn't seem like there's any issues going on with the team. So um, yeah, it's, it, there's gotta be that fine line between data and just taking things as they come. No, for sure. Well, and, and I'm kind of surprised and I kind of like what you just said about Kirill Kaprizov because I feel like at the beginning of the year, I, I think you hit it right on the head and took the words right out of my mouth. I felt like a lot of people were kind of jumping on Kirill Kaprizov early on in the season because we were used to seeing him scoring, you know, damn near 30 goals in 55 games last year. Mm-hmm. And in reality, people didn't realize, well, he pretty much got like, I think it was like 27 goals and 27 assists or something like that. Um, and like Kirill knew after winning the Calder, he's like, Hey, all eyes are going to be on me. I need to be able to find a way to get my teammates involved because he like, I'll, all eyes are going to be on him. And if he tries to get all these goals, like he did last year, <clears throat> it's, it might not work out that way. And he, like you said, he secretly got like, I think 10 points. Yeah. I don't know. Pull up the stats. It's like the league leader, I think is dry with, okay. He's got 40, but he's an animal. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kaprizov and- is tied for sixth in the league in points right now. So it's like, he's doing nothing wrong and people got to remember oh. he's a little bit older, but last year was his rookie year. It was a COVID year. He didn't mm-hmm. get a training camp. Although he was playing pro over in Russia, the NHL is a different animal altogether. It so is. as much as he starred in the league last night or last year, excuse me, he's still finding his game in the NHL. And so it's like, there's an adjustment period that's got to happen. This is his first full year where he, even this year, he didn't have much training camp or preseason because there was the issues with the contract stuff. So um, he's, he's had an interesting introduction into the league and it's like, you, you got to think there's zero warning signs or anything people should be concerned about. He's, he's making stuff happen and playing really well. So um, that's really all you can look at at the end of the day. He's had a very interesting introduction to the NHL, and it seems like he's handled it really well. So He has, and thankfully, we, um, 
we locked him down too. I mean, I know there was a lot of speculation at the beginning of the season if we were going to be able to get that done. And I think a lot of people were surprised after all the rumors that came out that he wanted to be here not mm-hmm. super long. I think a lot of people were surprised that we were able to get a five-year deal done with him. Um, but I mean, you know, you're Bill Guerin. I, I mean, I've said it before on this podcast. I, I think Bill Guerin is the general manager for us. And I think we will eventually win a Stanley cup with him as our general manager. Um, I mean, he's all business, you know, he knows mm-hmm. how it's done. I think you and I think I talked to you a, a little bit offline about this, but I mean, he, what he was with the Pittsburgh Penguins when they won in 09, when they won in 16 and 17, this guy knows how to win a Stanley cup. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I think he's got the right pieces in place and, you know, hopefully it can be this year. If not, you know, we have, you know, guys locked down for the foreseeable future too. Yeah. You just, it's been clear what he's been able to do once he's, you know, once he gets signed on, it takes a little bit to get your plans in place and your team right. where you want it to be. So he's slowly, but surely assembling his staff, his players, the way he wants them. And, um, we're seeing it translate on the ice. So, um, it takes time, but yeah, he seems to be, he seems to know what he's doing. Um, again, I think in today's day and age, you, you never know what's really going on behind the scenes as far as the Krill thing. Um, who knows how close or how far apart they were all summer, but, um, it obviously ended up happening. Krill is producing. He seems to want to be here. So, um, it's, it's hard to really speculate and I don't really know why he would, we should just be glad he's here. <laughs> glad he's locked up. Glad he's playing well. Um, the rest of the stuff's kind of just noise. So. Well, he probably feels like he's at home with the kind of weather we get here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think this team is, it's interestingly constructed because when I looked at it at the beginning of the season, other than Brodeen, um, uh, other than Brodeen, uh, Spurgeon, um, and even Kaprizov, we don't have many guys under contract for more than the next two years. So it'll be interesting, like you talked about earlier with the Ryan Hartmans and the Matt Zuccarellos. Um, you know, are we able to continue to bring in some of these guys that can pair well with what we're trying to, you know, do in Minnesota? You know, is, you know, because I think um, this kind of translates into the next. So outside of Kirill Kaprizov, who is one of, if not the most important, the most important player on this team um, to continue this consistency and to bring this into playoff hockey. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, he's absolutely one of them for sure. I mean, I, I always think the biggest piece is it's trying not to get attached to like certain players and whatnot. I think as much as you love the Ryan Hartman's and the, I don't even know who else might be on the list, but you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's very few star players in the league. There's a whole lot of role players. So, um, you know, being able to move players around until you find something that fits is, is key. Um, unless you're constantly drafting. I mean, you look at teams like Tampa, they were lucky enough to draft extremely well and build a core around a bunch of stars. Um, you know, not everyone's able to do that. So it, it's nice. We've been able to find the pieces we we've needed to, to win. Um, but at the end of the day, until you win the cup, it's a work in progress. So um, being able to move guys at will is important um, and fill roles as needed. Um, but definitely keeping some of those key players in place, I think, 
Um, Marcus Foligno, again, he's been able to score a lot this year, which is great, but he's another guy you don't really bring on your team for point production. Um, it's just a bonus when he does. So mm-hmm. um, he's extremely important. Um, a couple other players like that, but yeah, it's, it's every season's a different year. And so you have to go into each one with um, a new game plan. And so being able to, to move certain players around um, is pretty key. And in years past, it seems like we've never really been able to do that. We get attached to certain players for whatever reasons um, and keep giving them opportunities when, um, you know, they might not deserve it or it just might yeah. not be the right fit. So being able to move those around is important. No, that's a, that's a great point too. And, you know, you hear, you, you hear a lot of players um, talking about it and sometimes coaches, but in professional sports, whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball, whether it's, uh, you know, the NFL or, um, you know, the MLB, it is a business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, you know, you play a long time with, you know, Miko Koivu. It's hard not to have a personal relationship with him, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, uh, Bill Guerin was hired on to bring a Stanley Cup to Minnesota. So mm-hmm. if he doesn't think Zach Parise is going to help us get there, he's got to do what he's got to do to either trade him. Okay, you know, I don't want to worry about trading him. I'm just going to cut him. I'm going to make a statement. Then do that, you know. I mean, I think... Right, so yeah. I, I apologize if I didn't hear your initial question right, but I, I just think this is the first management team we've seen, or management yeah, team in place in Minnesota where... Um, uh, we've really seen that just the end goal is a Stanley cup and playoff production. And so um, as much as you love your Ryan Hartman's, your Marcus Felino's, your, all those guys, it's like, we can't pay you star power money um, for some of those role players. You know, there's a lot of young talent and a lot of players in the league that will do that. So um, it's, it's knowing that sweet spot of keeping the right players around and knowing when you have to part ways. Um, and I, in the first couple of years, at least it, like it, Bill's that kind of guy. So we'll see. Yeah, no, it'll, um, I'm, Hey, I mean, like I said, you know, it's, you know, we're kind of at that, um, we're kind of at that quarter of the season mark, you know, most teams have played, you know, 23 and, you know, between 19 and 23 games. So you kind of get a sense like you, like, like we've been talking about, you kind of get a sense for where teams are going to be and the teams that are going to be in the conversation for the, you know, going deep in the playoffs are going to continue this or get better. And um, I think it'll be, I mean, let, like I said, I think my biggest cause for concern is exactly what you said earlier. I think it's great that we started off this hot, but we've seen some teams in the past, whether we had Miko Koivu on it or whether it was, um, you know, the first couple of years with Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, we have these stretches of going really hot mm-hmm. and we can, the fact of the matter is, like there's never been an 82 and O team in the NHL. There's never been an 82 and O mm-hmm. team in the NHL. You're going to lose some games. Um, you just, what you can't have happen is you can't get on those streaks where you're losing six, seven, eight games in a row. You know what I mean? For sure. And again, it's, we're a quarter of the way through the season. So um, more times than not, if you look at the playoff picture it's it's usually not one of the teams that entered in the playoffs at the top that wins i guess maybe mm-hmm. recently with tampa doing it but um i mean it's once you get to the playoffs it's anyone's game so it's yeah getting in is important but getting in and playing the right hockey is is more important and what whatever we were just saying about st louis they were at the bottom of the league in january mm-hmm. and ended up winning the cup so we really don't have any idea how this season's going to shake down um you hope you know obviously it's important to have fun and uh, 
understand that you're playing well to keep playing that way. But um, there's a lot of hockey to be played. So you hope it's not, you know, no one can get complacent. There's way too much season left and way too many, way too many things can happen. For sure. I mean, and it's not even hockey. It's just sports in general. It's about getting hot at the right time. Very rarely, like you said, Mm -hmm. very rarely are you a top of the league in the NFL from week one to, you know, the Super Bowl. Very rarely do you open the season as, you know, a favorite, do well the entire season, and then win the Stanley Cup. So how many times did the Capitals win the President's Trophy or dominate all year and (laughs) lose in the first or second round? I mean, it's just like playoffs is a different season altogether, and you just have to be ready. You you, got to be ready to play a certain kind of hockey, so. Regular season obviously is important to get to the playoffs, but you got to know that it's it, especially at this point, it's just way too early. You got to just keep playing. Yeah, no, you just got to keep playing and uh, hope for the best. Well, um, before we uh, we wrap up here and do a little uh, Vikings talk for you, um, I think I uh, talked to you a little bit before, Dan. Uh, we like or I like doing a uh, local business shout out. So tonight uh, we got Love Your Melon. Um, I don't even know if I told you this before, but this was actually started by some uh, kids that went to the University of St. Thomas. So roll Toms. Um, But I didn't even know this. They're actually making like sweatshirts and more than just winter hats now, which is pretty sweet. I didn't even realize that. I thought they were strictly hats and always have been and always would be. But they got hats. Like I said, they got mittens and sweatshirts. So um they're doing some really cool stuff. Cool stuff. You might not need it for this next week. It's supposed to actually get pretty, pretty warm. Um, but I'm sure a lot of you that are listening, or even I know you have Dan, you've heard of it. But if not, go check them out. Loveyourmelon.com. You can find them all over social media too. Uh, they're on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram. I. It looks like they even have a YouTube channel. Do you have a Love Your Melon hat, Dan? Can't say I do, but I will look into it. I, yeah, I, I kind of feel, <laughs> I sometimes feel bad giving these uh, shout outs for some of these places that I don't, like I haven't tried their products before or something like that. And especially like I mentioned, but then being St. Thomas, I'm kind of like, I feel like I should have one of their hats, but I'm going to wait till it actually gets cold and not this upcoming week to grab one. Probably shouldn't admit that, but understand. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, like I said, go check them out. I, I believe, I mean, just like a lot of, People, uh, they have um, some uh, uh, Black Friday sales, uh, 30% off all your orders. And um, again, for those that don't know, all of their, or not all of their, but most of their proceeds help fight cancer. So um, go check them out. So our last topic before uh, we break for the week, uh, the Vikings, did you have the opportunity of watching <laughs> this Vikings team lose this last week, Dan? No, I did not. I pride myself on my ability to avoid the Vikings. Other than the time that your favorite brother wants to go to a game with you, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. I'll never pass up a chance to go to U.S. Bank. But, um, yeah, I they're tough to watch. Yeah, so uh, whatever your thoughts are, I'd love to hear them. But I was not able to catch any of the game. So. No, we we just – I know I've said it before to you and you've heard me talking to other people saying this too. So I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we play to the level of our opponent. I mean, 
you know, in week three, we beat the Seattle Seahawks, who a lot of people were naming them in the Green Bay Packers as one of the two teams to make it out of the NFC for the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. we beat them handedly. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we find a way to lose to, you know, Cincinnati. We find a way to lose to, um, you know, the, uh, the 49ers who have been just going downhill. And it's just... It's, yeah, um, isn't that what we've been doing? I mean, no, exactly. <laughs> that's that's what we've been doing, and and it's frust. I think the most frustrating part, and we we talked about this before, beforehand too. I think a lot of diehard Viking fans like myself understand that the most frustrating part about this Vikings team is you look at games like um, you know the Seahawks game. You look at games against the Packers, against the Chargers. This team has so much talent, and if they're on their game. I mean, we're just as good as anybody else. Now, on the flip side, when we don't want to play, yeah, we see, could that, give... that's where I, as a as a casual football watcher, would attend would tend to disagree. I, I think, like every Minnesota fan base, we tend to exaggerate our team's expectations. <laughs> I, I think the Vikings are an average football team, and I so I think it's we can't really be that shocked when we play average football. I think if we were to move out of Minnesota and watch most of the Vikings games most of them play out the way they should play out and not in terms of like pregame predictions, but it's just like the way the game goes down, the way things happen with either team. I I think they mostly play out the way they should. And so I think, I think when we go into every game thinking we should win and thinking we're just like playing bad, you know, I, I think we're just an average football team. I think with that said though, I can't understand for the life of me why Mike Zimmer is still our coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I don't know enough about football to say whether he's a good or bad coach, but at the end of the day, your job as a coach is to, you know, lead your team to victory. And he's just done a pretty average job for that. And at the very least, just deserves give someone else a different chance. Shake shake it up. Get some new nope. vision in there. I don't understand. You know, when you have a guy like Bill Belichick, yeah, keep him around. He's won a bunch of shit. A guy like Mike Zimmer, it's like, what is the point of keeping him around? Just get someone else in there with a new vision and see what they do. No, I I couldn't agree more with you. I think that's why I said, you know, it's it's tough for me because, you know, like you said too, you know, I, you know, as much as I love the Vikings, I I am, you know, Jack the Vikings fan and I also am Jack the football fan and as a football fan, I think the worst thing the Vikings could have done against the Chargers 3 weeks ago was win. I mm-hmm. think we I think we lose against the Chargers. That's three games in a row, two games or all three games in a row that not only did we lose, but we let a team come back in and beat us after we were above. And I firmly believe had we lost that Chargers game, which Jack the football or the Vikings fan, I never want the Vikings to lose. But had we lost that Chargers game, I do believe Mike Zimmer would would have been fired. I really do think yeah, he would have been I've, fired. I, I totally understand what you're saying, but to me, it seems like if you have the right people up top in management, as much as you are looking game to game and what's going on, it's like you have to look big picture. So it's like, 100%. yeah, we do lose two in a row. Maybe we beat the Chargers, but it's like something's just clearly not working with this staff. So it, I think I was just not to go back to hockey at all, but they just, the Canadians just beat the Penguins handedly the other night, and the next day they fired their GM or something like that. So it's like, at the end Ooh, of the day, it's the not just Penguins? about no the Canadians. So they win a game, and they fire the GM. Oh, so shit. at the end of the day, wins and losses, although much more important in the NFL, it, it, someone's got to be looking at this stuff big picture. And it's like 
you can't keep giving this guy like, all right, you win this weekend. We'll keep you around. You know, it's, we're, we're sitting at five and six. We barely beat the lions when we played them last time. So, I mean, it's like, there's just clearly some leadership issues because you've, you've seen the greatness. Right. Right. Seen Kirk cousins and team drive down the field. And it's just like, there's just clearly some kind of disconnect. And at some point you just got to cut the cord and bring someone else in. No, for sure. And I think that's, that's what I like about the coaching staff on, on the wild versus the coaching staff for the Vikings. I think, and we talked about this earlier with the, um, you know, know, with regards to, Hey, you know, this business, this is personal. I think Spielman's and the Zimmers are getting, have too many personal relationships that they can't have these tough talks. I mean, we heard about this a couple weeks ago after I think the Ravens game, you know, back and forth. Yeah. You know, Zimmer saying, yeah, you know, Kirk has the, you know, the, uh, you know, trust of me to, you know, make audibles and Kirk's like, yep, I do what Kirk says, or I do what Zimmer says. And it's just like, no, like we need a Bill Guerin ask to come in at general manager and say, Hey Zimmer, you can stay on as defensive coordinator or you're gone. I don't want to be defensive. No, coordinator. Okay, he's, you're he's gone. Been here, yeah. He's been here too long. You just got to cut it loose. You know? And I, again, we played good football. We made it to the playoffs, whatever. We're okay. But again, you don't hire a coach to be okay. So you just shuffle things around until something works. This worked for a bit. It's clearly not working now. I just, I don't understand. I don't get the, keep giving this guy another shot because as you've said we've we've lost a bunch of games we should have won and that in and of itself when you go into a season where didn't you say we had one of the easier schedules yeah i mean uh they actually said starting with our packer game we had the um fifth easiest uh schedule um remaining i mean you, you look at our schedule we got we're going to the lions this sunday mm-hmm. and then we host the steelers for thursday night football and then we go to Chicago. We host LA Rams, who are a good team, but it helps that it's home. Then we go to end the season. We go to Green Bay and then host the Bears. So there's no reason we shouldn't finish the season four and two, five and one. Mm-hmm. But we could also very well finish the season one and five. Well, yeah. Again, if you're, if we're as good as you're saying we are, or at least as good as we can be, even an average team with a super easy schedule should be winning some football games. And so. It, that's when it's more frustrating is it's like, yeah, if we were playing some of the better teams in the league and losing, that's one thing. If we keep losing and playing down to average teams level, it's just like, there's gotta be a shakeup. Well, and I think that's kind of uh, the last thing I say um, before we wrap up here, I think part of the issue lies is like, there's no denying we have so much talent on both sides of the ball. You look at, you know, we got Harrison Smith, we got Xavier Rowe or Xavier uh, Woods, who are two top tier safeties. We got Anthony Barr, we got Eric Hendricks, we got Michael Pierce, we got Delvin Tomlinson, Delvin Cook, Justin. Like you look down at all this, and I think it goes hand in hand. I think some people look at this team and say, hey, this team's got so much talent, and they give, uh, they give Zimmer a pass. Oh, he's just not playing to their strengths this game. But then some people look at it the other way. They're like, crap, you know, there's so much talent on this team. If Zimmer can't get it done, he's just got to go, which I would side with the latter. Yeah, and again, this is coming from more than a casual uh, football fan. So I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know it's it's frustrating to hear that he's still around and we're still playing super average. Uh, I, I just think at the very least, you shake things up. You get the fan base going again. It's it, He's just, he's had his shot and nothing's really happening. So I, 
I, I just, for me, I can't understand why he's still around. So Well, and he's been here for five years. If he was really the coach we wanted him to be, he'd have, uh, he would have an above 500 winning record in this playoffs, which he does not have. How many playoff wins does he have? Two, and I think we've lost three or four. What were the two, though? One of them was a legit miracle for the yeah. record. One of them was the Minneapolis miracle, and the other was um, – oh, God, I can't remember. Got to look it up. Um, yeah, but you're oh, – all. Uh, the other one was um, the uh, TD catch to uh, Rudolph in um, overtime. We were watching in our parents' basement. Uh, we beat the Saints in New Orleans. Okay, so again, so they not, were not to take stop. not to take playoff wins away from anyone exactly, but one of them was an actual miracle. Will go down as one of the most outrageously exciting plays to watch of all time. In but a legit miracle, too. but a legit miracle. Yes. Um, and the other one was an overtime play. So not again, can't take that away from him. But it, it's not like he's easily getting to the playoffs and easily getting playoff wins. We're sneaking in. No, exactly. We're getting some wins. I mean, it's yeah. And this really will be the last thing. Kirk Cousins. Like people that don't like the Vikings or don't know much about the Vikings or Kirk Cousins, there's two kinds of quarterbacks in the leagues. There's great statistical quarterbacks. You look at guys like freaking even Aaron Rodgers. I, as a football fan, I respect him, but he's statistically, he's very good. Kirk Cousins is a very good statistical quarterback. You look at his numbers and you think at game in and game out, regardless if they win or lose, you're like, wow, that was. That, that looks like a good game from a quarterback. He is not a team leader. You know who are team mm-hmm. leader quarterbacks? Tom Brady, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, who's had less than a stellar year, but he's a team leader. You also look at guys like Josh Allen. You look at guys that aren't afraid to call an audible, and I don't think I've ever seen Kirk Cousins call an audible. So I think as much as it pains me to admit, we will not win a Super Bowl until Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins are both gone yeah, and I think, again, stats are only pretty to look at if you've got the trophies to back it up. So it's like, is not that hockey and football are the same for me? It's just easier, as exciting as Connor McDavid is to watch, and he's got a long season or long career in front yeah. of him. The, I mean, his stats are only going to be as oppressive as uh, how many Stanley Cups he's able to win. So yeah, and um, he hasn't the even... same thing just happened to Ovechkin. You know, everyone was talking about it. He was doing extremely well. Um, he, he finally got his cup, so that's a, a monkey off his back. But okay. um, y- you're only as good as the trophies you win, so we can talk all we want about Kirk's stats, and I'm sure they're fantastic. But if, if we're not winning football games, who really cares? No kidding. All right, before we go, Vikings at Lions noon this Sunday. What's the final score, Dan? Oh, God. <laughs> can you tie in football again? Yes, you can. <laughs> God, something low for sure. What was it when we were there? Uh, I think we won nineteen seventeen. Yes, I'm going nineteen seventeen again. <laughs> It'll be a field goal for sure. <laughs> It'll be a last second field goal make by us for sure. Okay, so how about twenty four twenty one then? Let's do that. Okay, I'm going 28 to 20. I, I still think it'll be a regular. I still think it'll be a one score game. You are an optimist, sir. I am the eternal optimist, apparently. That is for sure. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Dan. For those listeners, remember this podcast is about you guys. If you have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or emailing us. 
Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram handles are at mini weekend and email is mini weekend at gmail.com. That's M I N N Y W E E K E N D. And be sure to let us know if you'd like to stay anonymous with your questions until next time, mini.